strolling and your heart mm. kind of you mm-hmm. kind of smile or you kind of go yeah. what was that yeah you know your mm-hmm. ears kind of perk up it's kind of like mm-hmm. you know like a dog that you know they're sitting there and it's all of a sudden you see their head kind of mm-hmm. tilt up and <laughs> your ears, uh-huh. you know come up and yeah. and we as people that happens to us mm-hmm. and so what do you do with it you pay attention mm. yeah you listen hi i'm lacy clark elman of a sacredjourney.net i'm a spiritual director facilitator and guide and you're listening to pilgrim podcast a show exploring spirituality and intention in travels and daily life and what it means to live like a pilgrim at home and abroad. This episode is brought to you by Journey Shop, where I sell handmade and designed resources to inspire your journeys at home and abroad. The Journey Shop is filled with tools for spiritual practice, including my popular liturgical wall calendar, wearable prayer beads, and more. Visit the Journey Shop at asacredjourney.net. If you liked today's episode, leave an iTunes review of Pilgrim Podcast by September 30th, 2017, and you'll be entered to win a carefully curated Pilgrim pack filled with items from the Journey Shop, valued at over $50. I'll share the winner with my email list in early October, so be sure to sign up to receive updates at sacredjourney.net so you don't miss a thing. Today I'm talking to author, soul guide, and self-proclaimed artist of being alive, Casey Hewlett, about the practice of soul strolling. Let's begin the journey. Casey, thank you so much for being here on the podcast. Thank you, Lacey. I'm delighted to be here. You are my first official guest, and that seems fitting since the conversation, at least when it comes to my life and its intersection with pilgrimage, it seems like began with you when we were in conversation once. I remember that conversation very well. Mm -hmm. And I remember, too, you reflecting back to me after we had had that conversation and I went home and, you know, took a few months, I think, to really let that land, um, realizing that I actually was going to make a change, a vocational change and follow that lead. And you saying that you saw that joy on my face. And so Mm -hmm. that was always really affirming and confirming on this path. Yes. Yes, it was a beautiful moment. And so it's very fun for me to see, Lacey, where um, this journey has taken you since. Oh, well, thank since, you. Yeah, since we had that conversation, like, what, yeah. five, six Yeah, years ago it so. seems like so long and yet so close at the same time. Exactly. exactly. Well, why don't you tell me a bit about your spiritual journey? Okay, that's that's such a big question. <laughs> it <you is>. know? <laughs> tell me the version you want. You want to share? Yes, yes. So, so the very much in a nutshell, um, I like you, Lacey, was born and raised on the Bible Belt. Mm-hmm. Like, like <laughs> literally, I lived um, in Oklahoma, uh, a mile from Route sixty six. So very much the heartland. Yeah, and it was a very traditional, very conservative upbringing. And in nineteen, let's see, nineteen eighty nine, I, my husband and I, made a big move, and we moved to Seattle, 
which at the time was labeled as the most unchurched city ah. in the country. So that was kind of the beginning of what I, hmm. I define as my real spiritual journey, because up until that time, everyone else had kind of defined my spirituality for me. Mm-hmm. And it seems like almost an unchurching for you yes. in a in an informal sense of that institution, that system, so you could find your own path within yes. that or around it or wherever that led you. Yes. So it really did. That unchurching really is a great word for it because it really was this shedding and breaking away and kind of peeling mm. off what belonged to other people and what oh, was like what was mine. Mm. Mm-hmm. what was mine. And so it's, it's been a refining. So since, you know, so it's been, gosh, I can't believe it. Almost 30 years now that mm-hmm. we made that move. But it really wasn't until probably about 15 years ago, when my son was a teenager. And I was still very much in in the um, sense of if I just if I just follow the rules and I do mm-hmm. things right and I have the right education and I had I had the two kids and I had the white house on the corner and the golden mm-hmm. retriever and a husband with a job and I was a stay-at-home mom and it was like the American dream right mm-hmm. and our life started to fall apart because my son who is an artist and an explorer and uh, a very adventuresome young man was having none of this traditional Mm -hmm. talk and rhetoric. Mm -hmm. And so it was at that point in time that I started to broaden my exploration of really what else was out there besides Mm -hmm. traditional uh, Christianity. And that's when I started to find other teachers, uh, including poets mm. and artists and and nature, and really looking at spir- spirituality out of this box that I had been mm-hmm. that I had been raised in. And so, so it's an ongoing journey, and yeah. and it has been enhanced with with travel, which I know we're going to talk about and (laughs) other things like that. So, so it has, I, I, again, I'm going to, I'm going to use that, that unchurching um, to, to really find what spirituality looked like for Mm -hmm. me. It almost seems, it reminds me of that uh, Meister Eckhart quote. um, I pray that God might rid me of God. Yes, you know, un- unchurching for the sake of churching, of building up your own faith that's aligned with your authentic person, yes. your true self. Yes, yes, and I find that I am so much more connected with God and spirit, and I don't, you know, any number of names mm-hmm. uh, than I was when I went to church, you know, and I'm using quotation marks um, Mm -hmm. every week. Um, Yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, well, it even seems I like that you kind of referenced the any number of names. Mm-hmm. I find perhaps the more names I use and open myself up to, the more my faith and experience of God expands exactly. as well and deepens. Hmm. Yeah. Well, let's dive into that traveling bit then, because I have a feeling, I mean, you might have been a traveler certainly before, but I have a feeling somehow, like with me, your spirituality, this journey for you and your travels began to intertwine and play with each other and inform each other. Yes. So tell me all about traveling (laughs) for you and that journey. Traveling for me was as a child was literally getting in the back seat of the car, taking a Dramamine, and sleeping from mm. point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Getting there. And how metaphorical is that? Mm, yeah. <laughs> how much did I sleep? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't get my first passport until I was 45 years old. Mm. So um, that, was, that was a huge thing. And uh, I hadn't I hadn't traveled, and again, kind of in that traditional form, um, you know, my family we had two weeks of vacation, and we would go and we would spend it with family or friends, or we would go to Disneyland, or we would kind of do the just traditionally prescribed things, which mm-hmm. are are wonderful things. Don't get yeah. me wrong. I mean, I I you know, family and, you know, fun places are, are great. Mm -hmm. I was, I was talking with a friend this morning and I said, I know she's going to ask me this question. Like, what was your, (laughs) what was your first pilgrimage or what, you know, what was this travel? And Mm -hmm. it's, it's so hard because as I unwind these things and I go back and I go, oh, well, maybe it was that. Maybe it was Mm -hmm. that. But Mm -hmm. I think my first real sense of travel, adventure, pilgrimage came in 2008 when I followed a call, literally sitting in my bedroom one morning, I was reading blog posts and I had a group of girlfriends. We were supposed to be going to Mexico to go kayaking and that trip had fallen apart And I was like, wait, but I have the money and I have the time. Mm. And, and I asked, I asked myself this question. I was like, where, where would I go if I could Mm. go anywhere in the world? And it was like this audible voice Mm. came out and it said, Paris. Mm. (laughs) And within four weeks, I was in Paris. Wow. And this was literally, that was literally the second time that I had left continental North America. Mm. And um, so Paris called to me and, and so she began this opening up of adventure. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of my beginning um, yeah, it really seems like this almost embodied presence, this invitation, the city, and her environment yeah. beckoning yes. you. Yes, it mm. was. It was a very. I mean, it was very audible, and 
Um, and I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I'm unraveling all this right now. I'm actually working yeah. on a manuscript of, oh, wow. uh, about these travels and about pilgrimage. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I had a, a reader not very long ago. She said, I, I don't understand why Paris. And so I've really been wrestling with, yeah. um, like putting, putting it into words, right? Because so yeah. much of it was very uh, much a feeling, which I'm sure you can relate to in terms mm. of, of the places that you've been. And sometimes it's hard to articulate. It's just like you're standing mm -hmm. on this ground and you know, it's like Moses. It's like, surely I am standing on holy ground. Mm. And, and so Paris has been, I mean, she, I call her she, I mean, it's like this very archetypal um, image for me. And yeah. there's mystery and there's beauty and there's light and there's confusion because I really don't speak French, even though I, <laughs> I try. And, and so it challenges me and really started opening up the world to me to go, if I can take myself across the world by myself to, mm -hmm. a to a land where I don't speak the language and I can find this sense of holiness, mm -hmm. um, then I can do anything. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like both obviously very foreign as you describe, and yet there was something tugging you almost to home, maybe a home you didn't realize yet or hadn't experienced yet, yes. but there was that invitation, even, even the fact that you're referring to her as she, I imagine, and this has been a huge part of your feminine journey yes. as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. A guide. Yes. Yes. And what was ironic was two years before I was sitting in my room and got that call, I had actually written a poem and I had not considered myself a poet. Um, and uh, I was doing the coursework, the awakening, the creative spirit by your, you know, with your friend and mine, Christine Balter's mm -hmm. painter. And we were asked to write a poem. Mm. And my poet was French. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so there was something in this journey that had been calling to me. And when you use the word home, and when I got there, even though everything was very foreign, there was this sense of, mm. of coming home. Wow. Yeah, very much so. Mm. Well, it seems like you, I mean, that was what almost, was it 10, almost 10 almost years 10 ago? Almost 10 years ago now. Yes. Yeah. And yes. I know you've done, continue to do some solo trips since kind of in that similar fashion, but also you have invited others to join you yes. to um, receive and accept, answer that call through soul strolling. Yes. So tell me what it is and how it came to be, which I imagine it was 
born or birthed even without you knowing it yes. from that answer to that call. Right. Absolutely. So soul strolling is, is a company that I have a, a partner, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Sharon Richards and I, that we started doing these trips before we named it soul strolling. So we, uh, so, so what happened was that I, again, I got this call and, mm. and, and I was, when I was going through my coaching training, um, I, as you know, I have a background as a psychotherapist and mental health counselor, and I went through training as to kind of enhance that as a life coach. And one of the questions we were asked was to come up with our wildly, wildly improbable goal. Like if we mm. could do anything, hmm. mine just kind of popped out. It was like, I would take people on adventures to beautiful and exotic places. And I said something like Paris and Australia and um, somewhere else. And Mm -hmm. it just popped out. Well, the funny thing was that I, my coaching partner was like, oh my gosh, you have to do that. You have to do that now. And I became overwhelmed by the mm. idea of it. It was just too much yeah. for me. I was just like, <gasps> yeah, I almost, when you use the phrase popped out, I imagine like, you know, it came so immediately and almost like slipped out. Like, whoop, whoops. It's, it's like, oh, oh, such oh. a big thing. It's like, it's I'm, not ready, <laughs> I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for that. Well, uh-huh. so the funny thing was, um, it was probably two years later and Christine had moved to Vienna, Austria, mm-hmm. and she invited me to lead a pilgrimage, an urban pilgrimage with her in Austria. And so I went and I did that and we had this beautiful week and Sharon Richards was on that trip. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the week, literally all the pilgrims have left. They've gone home. It's been beautiful. I'm standing in the shower. I mean, it's like, can I be any more predictable? But I'm standing in the shower. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, I realize I have done exactly that wildly improbable goal. Wow. You're already there. I've just done it. I've just mm-hmm. done it. And in that same moment, I... I knew that I wanted to do it in Paris because Paris mm. was my, my home. Yeah. And as it turned out, uh, Sharon, she had been going to Paris since she was in college. And we both had this remarkable love of the city and people for years had been asking us to, well, people had been asking her to take them to Paris she didn't know how to do it. I had been leading and facilitating groups for years and I knew how to do it, but mm-hmm. I needed somebody to do it with. And so shortly thereafter, she and I were walking around Green Lake and I just said, um, I want to do this in Paris and I want you to do it with me. And she had one of those pop out moments and she said, mm-hmm. yes. And then she said she went home and she told her husband, she said, I don't know what I've just committed to doing this. Yeah. And so shortly thereafter, we created our first trip 
and it's for women only. And because it, it drew on that feminine aspect Mm -hmm. of what I had experienced in Paris in this idea of really finding my own rhythm. Mm. And, and so what we set out to do with soul strolling, which the name came after that first trip, um, was to create this space to create this space for women that felt this calling, but maybe weren't quite brave enough to go by themselves or maybe their spouse had no interest in going or, you know, many, many, many reasons. But, but what we try to do is create this container that is a community. So it's, it's a, it's a safe community. And so we said we're, we're a little, we're transparent in it, but we're a little sneaky in that we, <laughs> we, we create this safe container and, and then like little birds, we kind of push them out of the nest. Mm. And so we create a lot of space for people to have time on their own mm-hmm. and to experience some of those scary things of mm-hmm. learning how to, um, you know, read their own map. Or yeah. decide decide actually what they want to do, and that idea of you know we we just offer these questions like you know if you can do anything you want to do today what do you want to do, hmm. and and that's the beauty I think of travel is that and I noticed you said this I think on your uh, first podcast where you were interviewed that yeah. sometimes you have to get away from home yeah. to, to quiet the noise and mm-hmm. to see what's really, really calling you. So, yeah. so that's really what soul strolling is, is really, it's a way of life. It's a way of being. Yeah. And through our official trips or experiences, we, we try to create this space where people can explore that. Mm-hmm. And um, have some guidance, but a lot of room with what, well, like my personal journey, I had to find out what my spirituality was. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so this is about letting people know what their stroll in life mm-hmm. looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And tuning in to their soul, it yes. seems as well. I love that name. Yes. And that. When you said that, uh, you know, the name came after that first trip to Vienna, it seems like, you know, you probably workshopped it a bit, but it seems like you were naming a process that was already happening yes. rather than yes. trying to find some sort of, well, and, you know, trendy name or something. Right, right. Well, and to give credit where credit's due, it, it comes off of a quote from one of my favorite pilgrims, Phil Cousineau. He says, take your soul for a stroll. Mm. And what we realized, we had we started out by using the term an urban pilgrimage, but what we found was that there's there's a lot tied up with the word pilgrimage, and I know you yeah. discuss this all the time, and mm-hmm. and we're always trying to parse this out. Uh, but 
once you get past the Thanksgiving turkeys, right, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and those images, a pilgrim is, is often someone who is going to, to a specifically holy site yeah. or for a holy mm -hmm. purpose and, and tied to certain, certain sites. And so what Sharon and I really realized is that we really believe that everything is holy. Mm -hmm. And and so, whereas people might not consider Paris in itself as a site of a pilgrimage, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. um, which is different than because I've gone to to Ireland to the holy sites, mm -hmm. and I've gone to Egypt and visited, you know, Mount Sinai and and those mm -hmm. things. And so we wanted we wanted to take that. Um, imagery off uh, and open it up to really a broader, yeah. broader audience. And yeah, it seems to not only make it accessible, but to help people realize that it's not only accessible kind of out there, but in there, it's already in them. Yes. That something's already calling to them. Yes. Yes. And it seems like, especially Paris, that for you, it was, you know, the appeal of the city, but it, you were going home in yourself yes, when you went exactly. in a way. And it seems like you invite others to do that yes. too. And that pushing out of the nest sort yes. of sense while halting them at the same yes. time. Since we're talking about the soul stroller, so to speak, I want to know who it's for, but especially because we've talked about that call, sensing that call a lot in your experience and my experience. And I know you being trained as a therapist, a life coach, um, having done work in spiritual direction, and of course, guiding others on these journeys, you know how to recognize the call mm -hmm. and how to respond. But I wonder for those who this language might be new for, how, how do you recognize a call? Right. And when you feel like you've recognized it, what do you do with yeah. it? Those are such great questions. Uh, the number of time, first of all, it can be as simple as if you hear the words soul strolling and your heart mm. kind of, you mm -hmm. kind of smile or you kind of go, yeah. what was that? Yeah. You know, your mm. ears kind of perk up. It's kind of like, mm -hmm. you know, like a dog that, you know, they're sitting there and it's all of a sudden you see their head kind of mm -hmm. tilt up and <laughs> your ears, uh -huh. you know, come up and, yeah. and we as people, that happens to us. Mm -hmm. And so what do you do with it? You pay attention. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you listen. And, and you begin to ask questions. Um, mm. And sometimes I, I said, I am a very slow learner. <laughs> I've discovered. <laughs> and I said, sometimes God has to bring out what I call the giant two by four. <laughs> and, um, and, and that's what I'm, ex I'm discovering is as I've been working on this, this book, this memoir, really about this, mm -hmm. as I go back in my journals, I, I realized I thought, oh, this wasn't a new concept. Yeah, the thread was always the thread there. Thread was always <laughs> there. The thread was always there. Mm -hmm. And so the bottom line is is if you miss that you know, if you don't pay attention to that, you know, ear perking at one yeah. point in time, 
you know, there's going to be another opportunity, but it's so much easier and more fun if you just listen mm-hmm. right off the bat and kind of go, yeah, hmm, what was that? Mm-hmm. And, and so, and, and that's what we do on our trips is give, we help practice that listening yeah. and we bring witnesses with us mm-hmm. who, um, it's kind of like doing therapy, right? Like you, we were yeah. talking about the conversation mm-hmm. you and I had, well, it wasn't mm-hmm. my idea about pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. It was Definitely. your idea that mm-hmm. I heard it and yeah. reflected it back to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's the other thing. Like if we refuse to listen to ourselves, if we can surround ourselves yeah. by people who are willing to hear us, and reflect back and say, um, you know, Casey, that's the fourth time you've <laughs> mentioned Bali. Mm-hmm. When yeah. when are you gonna go? Uh huh. Yeah. Or I I see you smile when you say that. Or yes. I, another physical kind of gesture that came to mind to pay attention to is that like do you just release yes and relax yes and take a deep refreshing breath yeah exactly exactly and that that pause that deep breath is something that that's all you have to do really when you when you feel that change that shift in your Mm -hmm. body or you know, again, the ears perking up, Mm. let it wash over you. Yeah. And, and like, and that, and like a pilgrim, I mean, it's just one step at a time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I was re reading some of Phil Cousineau's work. I'm not sure if it was in the art of pilgrimage or a book he did on Joseph Campbell, but they were talking about that myth of Ariadne and Theseus and the Minotaur and the thread that she sends him with, which is kind of where that idea of the sacred thread following the thread comes mm-hmm. from. And he said that, I, I don't know the spelling of it, but the word clue comes from this, ah. from from that, um, you know, that string, that the little drop, you know, you could think of like leaving breadcrumbs exactly. along the right. path or something. And it seems like that's what you're talking about. These are, these are little breadcrumbs. Yes. Notice them, pick them up or lay them down so that when you get lost, because we all do, you know where to come back. Yes, absolutely. And that's, and I, I love that you mentioned the getting lost uh, Mm. because that is another principle of, um, well, first of all, I'm, I'm just going to be, you know, fully transparent in that I forget these things all the time. Yeah. Yeah, me too. No, I am a I am approaching, I think, probably being an expert in some of these things. I mean, mm-hmm. people come to me, people interview me. Uh-huh. I some days I forget. Yeah, it is so much a practice. It is such a it's practice. A, it's just like you said, the spiritual journey is ongoing. Yes. It seems like this is it's, you know, a different paradigm than what we think of in this world. And, and so this idea of getting lost in, in another mm. way of looking, that's, that is a principle of soul strolling in this idea of we, sometimes we have to get lost 
in order to be found. Yeah. And, and so, um, I really, when, when I'm working with people, um, I encourage them, I say, okay, put your, take a map with you. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Especially in your, if you're in a country where you do not speak the language <laughs> and communication yeah. can mm-hmm. be difficult. It's yes, mm-hmm. but put it in your pocket and then start to walk and get yeah. off those busy boulevards. Mm-hmm. Get off, you know, be safe. I mean, I'm yes, be safe, pay attention. And that's again where you start to tune in to where, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, when I'm, you know, working with women in particular, and we're traveling alone and we're traveling around the world, it's like we don't want to be foolish. Mm-hmm. But this idea that you can trust, you can trust yourself. And, you know, and I yeah. say, if you get those spidey senses up along the back of your, you know, neck, and, and um, you don't have to go down that road, turn around, go the other way. But if you see something like you hear music, like Paris is, it's Paris is just this playground. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's music and there's parks and there's just like all these little nooks and crannies and things that uh, you don't discover if you just stay on the Champs Elysees. You just you know, and mm-hmm. and so this idea of of getting lost and just wandering. Um, until you you kind of go, hmm. I don't, I don't know where I am, and it's okay. Yeah. And and my question, you know, I always have this question when people say, "But I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid I'm going to get lost." Right. And mm-hmm. I say, "Have you ever stayed lost?" Hmm. Well, and even as you describe that, it, it seems like you're describing a um, as a practice, a sharpening of intuition. You know, very much so. My soul is leading me here, or like you said, don't go, don't go in that direction, mm-hmm. and uh, some sort of levity to it, a playfulness, a curiosity. It's not the end of the world sort of yeah. thing, um, and yet it's another step yes. on a journey. Yes. yes, and that anything, especially being lost, and really in the end, it's those being lost moments, those moments of surrender, of challenge of engaging the stranger within us that uh that lead to change and transformation normalcy doesn't no no i mean that's where you know i you know we started this conversation with i mean i lived you know the first half plus of my life trying to be you know normal with this normalcy status quo and Mm -hmm. and you know it was okay it was okay but this is so much more fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I love that you brought in that sense of, of playfulness and curiosity and, and this idea that, um, I mean, I'm having the best time right now. I have, I have a granddaughter who mm. is, she's almost three and um, her, she started preschool and they're, they're a little concerned because they're trying to teach her about stranger danger because mm-hmm. she has never met a stranger. This child has never mm-hmm. met a stranger. And I think a lot of it is because her, her parents and with me, I mean, I 
take this idea of um, curiosity and playfulness. That, and I think I get some of it from her and she gets some of it from me. But we walk down the street and we see people and we just say hello. Good morning. Mm-hmm. How are you? Well, that's that. That's that Oklahoman in it you too. It is. Yes. <laughs> yes. And 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 that's a great thing from that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was I was reading something this morning about this idea of what is the difference between a pilgrim and um, you know just a tourist. Mm-hmm. And a pilgrim is invited. To engage with the stranger. Yeah. To, to, you know, and often when we're at home, we think, okay, this is my home. I know where I am. I know what to do. I know how to get from point A to point B, you know, blah, blah, blah. And um, when we're away from home, we, we can rely on our maps and we can rely on what the tour guides say and we can rely on those things or we can stop and see what the locals are doing mm-hmm. and and so this sense of, of engaging and and that's where you know back to the the idea of the spiritual journey I'm finding that you know you and I spoke about how as we broaden we're more connected yeah. with God and with spirit but but and I'm more connected with the people of the world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, because I think of traveling, I've, I've come to, to know um, what it's like to be the stranger, right? Yeah. And then I ask myself this question a lot. It's like, well, why does it have to be different at home? Mm-hmm. Back in Oklahoma, I, I mean, we were, I, we all looked alike. Everybody, there was not a lot of, you know, um, differences. And, and so this idea of pilgrimage and soul strolling and, and visiting other cultures and the willingness to be lost has actually just helped my spiritual world and my physical world expand mm. in ways that um, I don't know that it would have otherwise. Yeah. Well, it uh, seems like that's why you continue to return. It's why I continue to return and it's why I want to take other people with me. Yeah. Well, tell me about your next trip to Bali, which is certainly a tourist destination, but also a place of great difference. I was there almost a year ago and, of course, consulted you on yes. some things to yes. do. And for me, it felt like uh, a pilgrimage, one, because I had read Eat, Pray, Love about 10 years prior, and that was actually whenever I was on the plane going to London to study abroad, which was a really informative right. really formative experience for me. Um, and so to so not only kind of... I wasn't just touching base with, you know, what Elizabeth Gilbert was, you know, bringing forth in me as she has with many, but also that experience in London and all the little, you know, stops along the way. And it, it was the most exotic place. It was such an exciting place for me. And we were only there maybe eight or nine days, but I felt like I knew it so well. And I Mm -hmm. can't wait to get 
back there. So please tell me, tell me what drew you to Bali about your experience there. And then I'd love if you give us um, information on the trip and kind of a preview of what the days look like. Sure. Well, it was one of those things where I, as I looked back, I realized that there was something in me like Paris that had been calling me for quite some time. Mm. I turned 60 last year, which I still kind of like, oh, really? How have you done that? <laughs> <laughs> but my my friend Sharon, she, she said to me, I have, well, so I have the birthday of 9-11. So mm. that's, um, you know, that's been its own kind of pilgrimage and journey. Oh, I'm sure. And so, mm. um, but, but Sharon, my good friend, she just, she said to me one day, she goes, okay, so what are we going to do for your 60th? What do you want to do? And I said, I just popped out again. I want to go to Bali. Mm. want to go yeah. to Bali. And I didn't know that much about it. Um, but I had some friends that had gone. And so I had consulted them. And so we ended up going to what's called the Spiritual Center, which is Ubud. Yes, that was my favorite. Yeah, so I was very much drawn to that area. And I would equate, I, I would equate it to the idea of um, Ireland and some of those places as a thin place where the veil, you know, between, and this is all this very, you know, kind of heady pilgrimage kind of mm-hmm. language, but this mm-hmm. idea that the veil between heaven and earth, between the other world, between the ancestors and us. And, and so however, yeah. you know, however you kind of embrace that or, you know, rub against it, whatever, it's, it's a thin place. Mm-hmm. And, and I very much felt that. And I am a, my Oklahoma roots go deep. I am a warm weather girl. I, I mm-hmm. love the warmth. And um, so it draw it speaks to me very much. And so it, it was kind of one of those things. I am one of these people that I find this place, I decide, and then everything kind of falls into place. Yeah. And um, I was there with two couples. My So my husband and then Sharon and her husband for a week. And then my daughter came and the men left and we had a girls week. And it was, I, you know, I have a hard time explaining it with words. Mm. Um, hmm. but the thing I know, so Bali is a primarily Hindu culture mm-hmm. and kind of their own brand, kind of their own well. brand. Yes. Yes. It's very much. And so Indonesia, which Bali is in Indonesia is a primarily Muslim country, mm-hmm. but Bali, which is a series of islands and one really main island, um, is, is a Hindu culture of its own variety. You named that, you named that very well. Yeah. What I was so drawn to, I think, was this sense of spirituality Mm. really enveloped everything, but but not in an in-your-face kind of way. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, in in an at-your-feet sort of way that you might stumble yeah. upon an offering in, in the street in these bold and beautiful colors, but not in an in-your-face way that we... Where this is how, you know, nobody says, like, this is what you have to believe. Yeah, yeah but you just are immersed in it. 
I mean, they create these beautiful, they're called, um, I think, Chenang, these little mm -hmm. offerings. And I've seen them everywhere from like the water meter. Uh -huh. it, I seem to be right. like wherever you there are during that are time. To, to in front of the temples. Uh -huh. And so there's just this high mm. sense of presence, both yeah. to this world and mm -hmm. to the next, honoring of the yeah. ancestors and the people that have gone before us. Yeah, it seems that home life isn't separate no, from spiritual it's life. Just this beautiful integration. And so again, it felt to me very much a sense of home, even mm -hmm. in a different way than than Paris did. Um, yeah, uh, because I, you know, I loved being able to walk around in my flip flops and and then to just mm -hmm. wrap a sarong around and and going to the water temples and so so I had the two week trip with everybody and then we got back and within three days I had scheduled my second trip to Bali <laughs> and I went back for the month of December and I went by myself and it was this sense of a kind of com coming home um, deepening yeah. an awareness I had a lot of things I was, I was working on this book manuscript and I had several things that had been kind of coming to fruition in my personal life that, um, that I needed to just have time to, to spend mm. and, and Bali felt like the place for me. And this was something I, I'm not crazy about the Christmas holidays in the United States mm. and how the culture has mm -hmm. turned it into a commercial thing. Yeah. And I really just wanted to get away. And so Bali felt like mm. a beautiful place to do that. So I, mm. I went and I spent almost, almost a month and explored some new sites and when I got back from there, Sharon and I decided that, yes, definitely, well, that was next. our next trip. Yeah. That was our next trip. So what will this trip be like? So this trip, like any soul strolling trip, we are going to create that container. We, we have a whole little compound of our own that we're going to live in. And it, it has six mm. little apartments and there's a, a swimming pool wow. and, it's, and it's in the middle of a walking uh, walking district so it goes perfect with soul strolling um, it again yeah. it's in the spiritual center it's in Ubud and what we really do we we will do a combination of free time although each day we offer an intention for the day and something to mm -hmm. ponder something to kind of chew on um, something to kind of bounce up against in terms of just, you yeah. know, what's happening and it gives, it helps build that container. And so we will do a mix of going to visit some of the holy sites and we hope to do a full moon ceremony and there'll mm. be some massages included if you like that kind of thing and a true, a true cultural, cultural immersion. immersion. <laughs> yes. With a lot of room for um, personal time and exploration. 
sounds like a slice yes. of heaven and and still that exotic you know that encountering difference the stranger being exactly. on edge exactly adventurous and wild what are the dates for the trip the dates are may 24th through gosh june 3rd i think it's it's a 10 day trip okay yeah and they can find out on your website i'm sure Yes, yes, yes. Soulstrolling.com. We'll, we'll give all the details. Perfect. Well, this last part of the interview is filled with a few questions that I like to ask everyone. So I'll just shoot them out to you and you tell me the first thing okay. that comes to your mind. If you were going on pilgrimage, where would you want to go? The one I am exploring right now is the Camino. Mm-hmm. That is definitely the ultimate. And so um, right now I'm considering uh, the fall of 2018. So there's my intention. Oh, I'm putting it out time. into the world. Yeah. Uh, putting it out yeah. into the wild. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and would this be a solo journey? I believe so. I am planning it as a solo mm. journey, although I have invited a couple of special people, one being my husband, one being my traveling partner, Sharon, yeah. and have said if mm-hmm. they want to come along for any any or all of it that that's up to them, yeah. but I'm planning to go. Mm-hmm. Yes. But you're doing yes. it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, I hope we can follow yeah. along that journey in some way, if not during, I'm yes. sure you will share about, about yes. it afterwards. Well, what about home? What journey are you on right now oh, in your daily that's life? That's such a great question. Um, you know, I've, I've, I think the most the journey that I'm most proud of right now is that I am learning how to be friends with my adult children. <laughs> hmm. And mm-hmm. A journey that you never kind no, of expect to be a thing. No, until and it, it's been a long it's 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 been a long journey. Um, my kids, mm. they are fabulous, and they I raise them to be independent. And they are, and that comes with its blessings and its struggles. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and so, um, so it's really, it's, it's this new place of being where, um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, we're doing that and, and it's great. And then my other piece is the, the memoir that I've, that I've mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited about it and it's terrifying and it, it has its own pathway too. And so that's why it's taking mm. a little longer than I thought it might because I thought I was done and yeah. then I sent it to an editor and she said, you know, the best part you've kind of left out. And, and so mm-hmm. um, I thought I could, you know, slide some of the, the challenging things in, you know, and it I wouldn't have to like really yeah. do the deep work and I'm doing the deep work. I love that this book about journeys is taking you yes. on a journey. 
and even engaging those parts in you that are fighting it that wanted to be yep. on top and yep. um the journey has always it has does. more to give it does yeah. mm. well what are some practices or tools to help listeners practice soul strolling both abroad on their own trips and especially at home where we spend most right. of our time i think probably the the most the simplest is to remember that you're on a journey. Mm. The way I do that is I try to set a theme or an intention or something um, either for the day or the week or the month or a season. And for example, I, I did something at the beginning of the, um, the summer season, which is, you know, swiftly approaching the close. And I had three words mm. that came up for me, and they were creativity, connection, and color. And so mm. I have been um, holding those in my mind, and, and you can like put those on sticky notes on your bathroom mirror or your computer or your journal or, you know, put them someplace visible and just to remember and to have this little focus yeah. for me it, I've been, the word that surprised me most was this, was the kind of oddest one, I think, which was color. Yeah. And, and how has color shown up in my life this summer? And it's really drawn mm. me into the details around my life. Like I see these gorgeous red geraniums on my back porch and my husband's yeah. strong mm. Tibetan prayer flags across the backyard. Yeah. They're full of color. And so, but to have some kind of focus, and yeah. I often forget the focus, but then when I come back to it, I can look back and see those mm. places that it was there. Yeah, that it was there. That it was there. All along. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of your travel yes. wisdom with us. Well, will you offer a benediction for I our listeners today? I would be happy today? to. I would be happy to. Um, this is a, I, I picked a quote by Rumi that has been working on me the last couple of weeks. Mm. And so I thought, why not share it? Why not share it with the world? And then I'll end yeah. with um, a bit of my own um, words of benediction okay. so thank you so Rumi says most minds do not live in the present and can stick to a reasonable plan most minds abruptly turn and undermine the chance of humming yeah. mm. I'm going to read that just one more time. Most minds do not live in the present and can stick to a reasonable plan. Most minds abruptly turn and undermine the chance of humming. May you be present to your life. May you write your own definition of reasonable. May you discover space and time to hum. Today, 
journey take your soul for a stroll. Thanks for journeying with us today. Find episode notes and sign up to receive updates at sacredjourney.net slash podcast. And subscribe to Pilgrim Podcast through iTunes or your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a thing. If you like this episode, I'd be grateful if you'd leave an iTunes review. It only takes a few minutes and will help other seekers just like you join us on this journey. Find out how to leave an iTunes review at sacredjourney.net slash podcast. And don't forget, when you leave a review by September 30th, 2017, you'll be entered to win a collection of items from the Journey Shop valued at over $50. I'll see you in two weeks for a conversation with spiritual director, writer, and contemplative activist, Ryan Kuja. Until then, blessings on the journey. Thank you.